This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. It's a blessing to be with you this morning and uh, to worship our Lord uh, today. It's um, a beautiful day. It's a beautiful crowd. Uh, great singing. It's been very encouraging. And I hope the study is, is encouraging to you this morning. Uh, you know, on occasion I'll ask the kids I'll, as we talk about the church, as we talk about the things that they're learning, on occasion I'll ask them for their perspective and see, okay, what, what do you think the church needs to hear? What, what would be good to teach on? And I was talking to Cade and he gave me this idea about the topic of sharing. And, uh, uh, and this study has been a blessing to me and I would like for you to take part in that blessing as well. And uh, also, I tell you that to know, so if, if the lesson isn't that good, you know where the idea came from. So, uh, <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a great blessing. It's a, um, the, the, to talk about the blessing of sharing. You know, we talk about sharing, we talk about giving, um, and I appreciate Pat's prayer for that as well, because that's right in line with what we're going to talk about this morning. There's, there's a concept about sharing that we really get, but then there was some more that I really didn't put the pieces together on until I started looking more into this. And there was a lot of questions that started coming up and a lot of interesting things. So we're going to talk through those this morning. Sharing, when you think about that concept, it means to let others in and let them be partakers of what you have. You own something, you have something of value, and you want to give that to someone and let them have a part in that so they can share, share in that. Um, and to share properly, we need to grow in a mindset of, of generosity. We need to grow in a mindset of letting go, because that's often the trouble we get into, and we don't, uh, or we have trouble sharing because we want to hang on, we want to cling to what we have, and not let let that go and, and lose either control of that or lose possession of that, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, but it's a real challenge for a lot of us, and, and I would bet that if you look in your life, there's some way that you might identify that you lack this, this ability to be generous with what you have. And that's not strictly reserved for finances and for money because uh, that is a big part, um, but it's much more than that. Um, and, and I think this, this desire to hang on and, and cling on to what we have, I think that's just a natural instinct that develops in us. Um, it's it's there's things that are easy to share and to give away. There's some things that are not, and we really want to cling and we want to hang on to those because we want to keep what is ours. It's, 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 uh, whether it's possessions or wealth, let's say, for example, there's a lot that the scriptures tell us about that, and that's the easiest area to identify when we're talking about this instinct to, to gather and to get more and to get gain and to increase in our wealth. And in, Sol in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, Solomon says, He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. He says it's, it's vanity to have this mindset, but we still have it. We love money. You know, we don't deal in silver, but we love money. And we're, we're just never going to be satisfied the more we get. And we, we strive to get more and more and more. And it doesn't matter how much more money we get, we're never going to be happy and we always want more. And he says, those that love abundance, um, you're never going to be satisfied with, with that, with increase. If you like to look and see all the possessions that you have and you just want more and more things, you're never going to be satisfied with that. 
We see examples of that in the scripture of the, of the man who had abundant crops. And he, what did he say? He didn't say, you know what, I've got plenty, let other people in and let them have some of the crops. He said, no, I'm going to tear down my barns and make bigger so that I can hold on to even more of what I've grown and what I've uh, produced and this harvest that belongs to me. And so <clears throat> that's the mindset he had. But the thing is, is that just as that story reveals, that parable that Christ gave reveals, we can't hang on to the things that we have anyway. And so it's vanity and it's foolishness. And the, in Ecclesiastes 5, he makes a lot of great uh, points and brings a lot of insights to this, this mindset of clinging to what we have. It doesn't, it's going to be passed on to somebody else, and we're going to enter, or we're going to leave this world the same way we entered, and that is with nothing in our hand. And he says in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 16, it's a sore evil that in all points as, as we come, so shall we go. And what profit hath he that hath labored for the wind? If you try to cling to possessions, you try to cling to wealth, if you try to cling to what you have, it's like trying to grasp the wind. Have you ever, have you ever caught hold of the wind? No. It goes right through your hand. You cannot catch the wind. Um, and that's what it's like. He's comparing that to possessions. You cannot cling to it. You will not be able to. And yet, we try anyway. <laughs> We try to amass savings, we try to amass possessions, we try to amass lands, we try to amass um, all types of things. But it, it's a real problem. And there is another layer that's added to this problem in that this mindset of abundance of possessions and wealth and prosperity has seeped into the religious language and the religious vernacular and, and it has become very trendy to see the type of doctrine that we see in the world, uh, that the Joel Osteens of the world promote, saying that gain is godliness, and that God wants you to be wealthy, and God wants you to have abundance, and God wants you to have all this kind of wealth. And, and Paul addressed this when he wrote to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 5. He said that there were people that would, become, that would come along that have perverse disputings of corrupt minds, they're destitute of truth, and they suppose that gain is godliness. Paul warned the early Christians ab about this mindset because this has been happening for a long time. It's not something new that's happening in our day and age just because we live in this opulent country that we live in and then all of us, the, the, even the poorest among us, are wealthier than some people in third world countries. Absolutely. It's not just a, a, an admonition for us today, but it's an admonition that was happening then because there were people springing up in the church that were supposing that gain is godliness. And he goes on and corrects those things, but, but I, I bring this up to say that this idea of wealth and possessions and having and getting more and more, we're not helped because in a, it's been turned into this religious m mantra that gets taught and preached that gain is godliness, and we start to buy into that idea. And we're surrounded by wealth. We're surrounded by opulence. And so it's very easy for us to develop a covetous mindset. And that's covetousness. We want something, and we want to keep something, and we want to hold on to something that we believe is ours, and that's covetousness. Now, this my mindset of how we treat our wealth, it will indicate how we will treat other things. And so I'm using wealth and possessions as kind of the starting point, but it's actually much deeper than that because the behaviors we learn and how we deal with our wealth and how we deal with our possessions and how we deal with our abundance and how we view these things is actually how we're going to view everything in our life. 
Um, and and it's, an, it's an outgrowth that, that our behavior in how we deal with our things and our, on our covetousness or our generosity is an outgrowth of how we view these base things and these uh, little things that we should be faithful in. Uh, and it's going to affect those great things that, uh, that matter much more. And the truth is that our covetousness, the, and, and if we're in no matter what area that might be in, and especially in wealth, it is killing our ability to be Christians. It is a, it is a dangerous and uh, potentially evil thing for us to, um, to, to not handle this well, for sure. Uh, in Mark chapter 4, verse eight, uh, 18, Jesus, in talking about the different seeds that were sown, the, cere- the parable of the sower, he says that there were some seeds that were sown among thorns, and those grew up, and the thorns started wrapping around those, those things. You've seen that. Uh, many of you garden, or many of you are familiar with uh, agriculture, and even if you're not, you understand the, the, the concept. You plant it in a, a spot, and the weeds start growing up and start kind of taking all the nutrients and, and killing that plant. Well, that's what happens to us, and that is what's happening to us. When we have so much of the care of this world, and we are so bought into the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things that come into our lives, and it chokes the word, and it causes it to be unfruitful in our lives. It causes us to be unproductive. It keeps it, in, uh, in Luke, when Jesus talked about this, he says that it, it keeps you from, bringing, um, from perfecting fruit. So there might be starting, you know, the, the fruit might be starting to bud in your life, but if you're overtaken with the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and you're so interested in keeping and clinging and hanging on to what you have, it is killing your ability to be fruitful and therefore living as a true Christian as God expects us to. And ultimately, this is going to... And, and this shouldn't be a shock. It might, it might feel like a sting and it might feel like a shock when we hear that, similar to how the rich young ruler uh, was stung and convicted when he heard what he needed to do covetousness was killing him. That's the thing that he lacked. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 21, he comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? He, he, he thought, this is something of value that I really want. I want eternal life, but what do I need to do to achieve that? Jesus says, if you'll be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. So he says, here's what you need to do. This man was very rich. He was very wealthy. And he was very, apparently, very covetous. Because when he heard that, the solution for him was to stop being covetous, sell everything you have, and come and follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. He was sad. He had great possessions. And I think that we probably feel that way at times, where we hear, we need to be more generous. We need to be not so covetous. It's like, kind of makes me sad because I want to keep the things that I have. I, I, I want to have more and I want to have, you know, and we put this veneer on it, <laughs> this facade of, well, I want to have security and I want to have, you know, all this stuff. Uh, I want to have stability in, in my life and all that. But it's killing us and, and that will probably make us sorrowful to hear that we should stop being so covetous and ultimately it will cost our soul. And that's why this is so important and so serious for us to understand this mindset of covetousness. Now, again, the Bible talks in terms of riches and wealth and possessions, but, and I think the reason is because that is an indicator of so much more in our life. But in 1 Timothy 6, verse 9, he says, They that will be rich, and, and it's not those that are rich, 
although it is hard, Jesus says, uh, following in Matthew 19, he says it's really hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven because, and I think it's because of that, that reflex of being covetous and wanting to keep. Um, now, it's not impossible, but he says that's the case. And the reason is because our heart gets so distracted with those things, and then we want more and more and more. And he says those that will be rich, meaning you have a, des- a desire to be rich, and you're really into that, and you're pursuing that, and everything in your life revolves around getting more and more. He says if, if that's your desire, you're going to fall into temptation and a snare, and to many foolish and hurtful lusts. And that goes back to what Jesus says in Mark 4. You will be choked out by those cares, you will be choked out by those riches, and you will not be fruitful and what happens to the unfruitful, uh, what happens to the unfruitful plants in God's vineyard? They get cold, and they get cast into the fire. That's, that's what Jesus taught repeatedly. And so we don't want to be in that position. And that love of money, he says, is the root of all evil. So you see, it, it is an indicator of other things in our life, and it creates other kinds of evil in our life. And he says this, this wealth and this, this abundance and this covetousness, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So you see the importance of this. That's why sharing and, the, and understanding the blessing of sharing is so important, is because it could cost your soul. You might have great wealth, but it will cost you your soul. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, uh, Paul again, puts it this way, and and the the scriptures are replete. We could probably spend the whole lesson just pointing out verses that talk about covetousness and the dangers of it and the consequence of it, but he says, you know that no whoremonger or unclean person nor a covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Covetous people do not have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. That's the point. That's why this is so important. We need to understand our natural inclination of desiring more and keeping more uh, in the way we treat our wealth and understand the ways that affects the rest of our life in wanting to get more and more and keep more. And we're going to talk about some other areas as well because, again, we don't want to be in this position of having no part in the kingdom and not sharing in the blessing of the kingdom. If we allow covetousness to rule our lives, that will be the case. Um, And this Again, this habit and the behaviors we develop with our wealth is how we're going to deal with generally our possessions, generally our time and our talent, our our very life, and even the way that we share the gospel. Because covetousness will inhibit all of those things. And so that's why this is so important. And... How can we learn then? Where do we look to to understand this, the, the right model? If covetousness and keeping things is, is not the right way, what is the right way? Um, we should share because that is the example that God gives us. He is very sharing. You think about this very world. He created this for us to enjoy. He created us, uh, created this world and us, and puts us in this world and lets us use his possessions Let's just use what belongs to him and, and what he created. Now, we get this covetous mind and say, this is mine. We get this mindset and we say, this is mine. But it's really not ours at all. It's God's in the first place. And he lets us 
borrow all of these things and lets us use these things. And not only has he shared all of the abundance of this life and of this world, all the physical blessings that we get to partake of every single day, he also gave us something much more, and that is he shared his son so that we could share in eternal life. And so that's the example that we ought to be learning from. You know, you think about what Jesus did. He was the perfect embodiment of sharing and of, of inviting people in to participate in blessings. If, uh, so Philippians chapter 2, it says that Jesus, being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, if you look at that, uh, very, that verse and other translations, some will translate it as, he thought it not something to be grasped. And that confused me for a while. But it starts to make sense when you understand it in these terms of covetousness and generosity. Jesus did not count his equality to be with God as something to, be, to cling onto and something to grasp onto. He didn't count that as something that he was just going to keep for himself and hold onto and not let go of for the benefit of other people. He was willing to let go of his equality with God in, in the sense that, as it says in verse 7, he made himself of no reputation, meaning he emptied himself. He gave everything. He let it all go. And that's the mindset that Jesus had. He wasn't going to grasp on and cling on to this, but instead he let it go. And he took upon him the form of a servant. So the most high God who dwells in the heavens, who is holy and is pure and is just and is the source of life, let everything go so that he could become a, a, a lowly human, which the Psalms, David at one point describes himself. He says, why would you... Why would you care about us? I'm just a flea on a, on a dog's back. That's how low David felt of himself. And really, when we compare ourselves to God, that's, that's pretty accurate. We're nothing compared to God, yet he made himself like us. And not even, not even totally like us. I mean, Jesus didn't live like we live. Let's be honest about that. Jesus didn't live like we did. He... he came in a time, I mean, there wasn't all the technical, technological advances that we experience right now, and uh, he, he didn't even come in the form of a great king and a mighty ruler who had all these possessions and all these servants at his disposal. No, he instead came in the form of a servant, and he made himself a servant, made himself low. When the people asked, well, where do you live? He said, well, if you're going to follow me, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests. I don't have anywhere. He was essentially made himself homeless because he was wandering and traveling around. He didn't have a, a, a nice home uh, the way many of the people in his day did, and especially not like we do. But this is what Jesus did. He let go of that. He emptied himself. He lowered himself and became a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He, that's how much he gave up and how much he let go of his his life and his power and his wealth and his ability. He let that go. Why? Why would Jesus do such a thing? It's because he did that so that we could be partakers in his riches. He wants us to experience the, the true abundance, not wealth. Don't think of, when we hear abundance, we, I'm sure, instantly think of money and wealth and possessions. That's not totally true uh, of, of what abundance means. He wants us to participate in life. He wants us to share. He did this and gave all of this for you. 
and for me to have life and to have the blessings that he wants us to have. He wants us to be sharers in his glory and in his holiness. In 2 Peter 2, he says, according as his divine power has given to us all things. You see that? God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Again, just another example of God's behavior of sharing and giving and letting us into this blessing through the knowledge of Christ. And he says, whereby he's given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Why? So that by these, you might be partakers. Partakers is, that word is, is you're taking part. You're sharing in this. And what is it we're sharing in? The divine nature. That's God's holiness. He wants us to partake in his holiness and he wants us to be clean. He wants us to be righteous. He wants us to be godly like him. That's what he wants us to share in. But he made a sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice, so that we could have access to those things. And that's the model that we should be learning from. Um, you know, you think about that word. Um, another thing that was interesting, you think about that word partaking. Um, you look at other words that use that same language when you look at the Greek or even the Latin and the English etymology of these words uh, to, to take part. It's like partners, a partnership. We, we know what that means in business terms. When you have a business partner, you're both sharing in this work and you're both sharing in the rewards of that. And, and you might be, uh, you know, the partnership might be distributed equally and say, okay, we both have the same blessings. We're going to split all of this 50-50 and we're going to uh, enjoy all the, the profits together. Um, and that's, that's really kind of the, the base idea. It's like we're letting people in so that we can all enjoy this thing together. That's a partnership. There's other words that the, the Bible uses that we'll look at, but uh, he also, some of the King James English words uh, that they use were things like communicate. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting to think about now. We're, when we communicate, we're sharing information. But communicating meant a lot more, like giving and uh, letting people par be participants in something. And you're, you're being uh, generous and you're granting and you're giving. Um, but there's also words like fellowship. That word fellowship is connected to that idea of communication and partaking and everybody sharing. That's where we get our word communion. We're all participating in something together. Um, and that's what God has done for us. He shows us to make a sacrifice. We have to give something up to let people in, to let people enjoy, to let people participate in something together. And it's something that we'll all experience together. But that takes learning to sacrifice our own desires and giving ourselves up to be like Christ. Remember, he let go of his equality with God. He did not hang on to that, and he emptied himself. And that's what we ought to do. That's what he asks us to do and commands us to do if we're going to be his disciples. If we really want to be a Christian, if we really want to follow Christ, we must take on this mindset and this attitude. Mark 8, verse uh, 34, Jesus makes that clear. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever will come to me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Do you see that? You have to give something up, accept the sacrifice, you're taking up the cross, and you're following Christ in that pattern that he showed us. Whoever will save his life will lose it. If we enter in, if we try to enter into our uh, discipleship and, and following Christ with the mindset of preserving ourselves, with the mindset of preserving what we have, 
with the mindset of keeping what we have, and, and that extends to, to all areas of life. If we live this life trying to save and to preserve and to keep, and we're, we're tr clinging, what is going to happen? We're going to lose our life. It's, it's counterintuitive. It seems like we're doing ourselves a favor by building up more and protecting ourselves and making sure we're safe and making sure we have abundance. But that's actually not what's happening. The opposite will happen. We're, we're losing our life. Whosoever will lose his life, if you take on that attitude of Christ, let this mind be in you, Paul said, that was also in Christ. And you have a mindset of willing to, to lose even your very life. You're willing to give everything up. You're willing to let things go and not let those things own you. He says, if you do that for his sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. You will have life. And Christ came to give us life more abundantly, is what he said in John chapter 10. Um, he says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You might gain the whole world, and maybe that's sometimes hard to, to grasp and say, well, that's, that's pretty abstract. How do we gain the whole world? You might gain your whole world. You might get everything you want in your life. But what is it worth if you're going to lose your soul in the process? Be willing to let go of those ideas, those expectations, that picture that you have of what it means to have the perfect life. Give that up so that you can save your life in the process and, and really let Jesus save your life. But this is the same habit, the same behavior that Jesus exhibited. He wants us to have as well. He wants us to give ourselves up so that we can have life. And it's a sacrifice. Hebrews, uh, we need to embrace that sacrifice, that cross. Hebrews 13, 6, he says, but to do good and to communicate. That means to share. To do good and to share. Don't forget to do that. For which such sacrifice God is well pleased. You want to make sacrifices that are pleasing to God? Take on this mindset. Give your life. Lose your life. Don't try to preserve what you have. Don't try to cling what you have. And, and let that go. And God is pleased with that. And it is a sacrifice because sometimes it is hard to do. And maybe a lot of times it's hard to do, but we need to do that if we want to be disciples. Um, and we need to view our possessions differently. Again, these things that God has blessed us with, they don't belong to you. They don't belong to me. They've been given to our care, and we are stewards of it. But a steward is somebody who's just watching somebody else's property. It doesn't belong to him. And so we shouldn't cling to riches. We should be willing to give them up. And give up riches, don't cling to those, and instead we need to cling to God. That's the case that Paul makes in 1 Timothy 6. He says, charge those who are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded. Paul didn't say, charge those that are rich in the world not to be rich. It's not a problem. Like, having money, having possessions, that's not a problem. We see some of the greatest figures like Abraham and David and Solomon, some of the wealthiest people uh, in the scriptures. But the problem is what we do with that. And I've, and I've heard it said, and I think it's right, it's not a problem that you own things, it's a problem if they own you. And so don't let, that, don't, don't let your possessions drive you into that perdition and destruction and all those snares and the hurtful lusts that we read about. But instead, he says, Paul wrote to Timothy and says, tell those who are rich in this world, don't be high-minded. Don't trust in uncertain riches. We cling to those and we pretend that's our security, we pretend that's our safety. He says, don't do that, but instead tell them to trust in the living God who has given us richly all things to enjoy. It all comes from him in the first place. It's not ours, and so don't look at it as yours. Uh, and he says, instead of clinging and being high-minded and trusting in these riches, trust in God and learn to do good. 
so that you might be rich, not in abundance and worldly possessions by worldly standards, but that you'll be rich in doing good works, doing good deeds, helping other people, being ready to distribute. You have a readiness to, okay, you have a need, I'm ready to help with that. You have a willingness to communicate, a willingness to share. Again, that word means share. You have a willingness to do that. It's not like, oh, somebody has a need? I don't know. It should just be a reflex that we start to build and a muscle that we start to grow if we have the riches of this world. You're ready to distribute. You're willing to do this. You're willing to give things up. You're willing to make the sacrifice and take up your cross and follow him. You're willing to do that. There's no hesitation. And he says that if we do this, if we practice this, laying up in store for yourselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may instead of laying hold on riches and clinging to those things, they may instead lay hold on eternal life. That's what Paul is trying to communicate uh, to the people that are rich in this world. And that's us. I think it's pretty safe to say that's us if you look at the standards that we live in. We're living in the richest, wealthiest, safest, most prosperous time in history. And, and it's easy to forget that because it sometimes doesn't feel that way, but, but it's true. We have way more than probably some of the wealthiest people in the first century. Um, and we just take it for granted or we try to keep it to ourselves. And he says, don't do that. Lay, all, lay hold and grasp of eternal life. Um, this, is a, this is a mindset that God wants us to have of viewing our things differently. And that's what we have to do to be like him. In Luke chapter 6, verse 34, he says, If you lend to them uh, of, of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? What good is that? If you're only giving to people that you, you're like, well, I'm sure that they're going to give this back. I'm sure that they're going to repay what I've given them. I'm going to be generous to them so that they can be generous to me. What good is that? Sinners also lend to sinners, and they receive as much again. That's not, that's not really different from the world. That doesn't really stand out from the behavior of the world. God wants us to have the behaviors like He has, act like Him, learn from Him, so that we can stand out in this world as His disciples. He says what Christians should do is love your enemies and think about an enemy in your life. I'm sure it wouldn't, won't be hard to, to think of somebody that you really don't care for, maybe even somebody that doesn't care for you that has, has treated you wrong. You don't really have this, this instinct in your, and, and this, uh, you don't have this instinct to go, oh, what do they need? I'm going to help them. No, we were like, I'm glad you're suffering. I'm glad that you don't have what I have. That's usually kind of how we might feel. God says, he flips that around on its head, and he says, love your enemies and do good to them. Lend. Give them what they need. And don't hope for anything in return. Don't hope for anything back. <laughs> Just give to people without an expectation of getting something back from them and getting something out of them. And your reward will be great and you, and you will be the children of the highest. For he is kind to the people who are unthankful and to the evil. God gives to everyone. He gives rain to the just and the unjust and he doesn't expect anything in return. He just gives it because of who he is. And we should give it because of who he is and that we're trying to emulate that and just give. Be ye therefore, and remember, the way we treat our possessions will impact the way we treat other things. And so he goes on from lending and treating your enemies well. 
giving and hoping for nothing in return. And he goes to the next thing, be ye therefore merciful. Because if you're covetous with your mercy, you're not going to give that out to people that easily. But he says, be merciful because your father is merciful. He gives mercy and is abundant in mercy and gives it ready. He's ready and willing to, to share his mercy. Verse 37, he says, judge not and you shall not be judged. Con condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. That word is connected, forgiven, is connected to this idea of giving and, and uh, you look at the words, it means to completely give. And you are, what are you giving? You're giving up your desire or your ability to punish somebody because they wronged you. And he says you're giving that away. You're ready to let that go. And what you're doing in the process is learning how to be like God. If you're merciful, if you're not the kind of judgmental and condemning person that just you know, casts people out at the first sign of trouble, and if you forgive people, you will be like God. But it all starts with understanding how to manage our possessions. Um, but that's what God wants us to learn, to make that sacrifice and give something up. And again, this is a direct reflection of not only how we're going to deal with people in the world, it's a direct reflection of how we love God and if we love God or not. If this is what God asks us to do, but we don't give and we're covetous and we keep on clinging and we keep on hanging on and we keep on amassing things for ourselves and we never want to give to anybody that has need and never has, how is it that we're exhibiting the behavior of God? How is it that we're being like the Father? That doesn't match. That's not compatible. And in fact, John points this out. The Apostle John writes in 1 John 3, 16, he says, Hereby perceive we the love of God. How can we perceive the love of God in our life? How can we know? Because, or how can we know that God's love is in our life? Because He laid down His life for us. We've talked about that. He let go. He thought he did not think it robbery. He wasn't trying to grasp on and cling on to that. He let it go for our benefit. And so then we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? How can we say that the love of God is in us, that we are Christians, that we are disciples of Christ, if we see the needs that our brothers have and we don't do anything about it? We don't even try to help. And especially if we have this world's good and have that abundance and instead keep it to ourselves. We shut up our bowels of compassion. That idea, again, is... is this concept makes so much sense of shutting up your bowels of compassion. It's like you're closing yourself off. You're, you're closing the door to that so that you can keep what you have. And instead of doing that, we should open up. We should give. We should be like Christ. Because, again, it's a direct reflection of whether or not the love of God is in you. So if you love God, this is a way for us to take inventory and... I'll, I'll just be honest, it's, it's convicting for me. Because I certainly know that I can do better in this, in this mindset. Now, how can we avoid losing our souls because of covetousness and, and avoid not having the love of God in our life and truly exhibiting the behavior of the Father and showing that we're learning from Him? 
the answer is to take the focus off of yourself, take the focus off of what benefits you, just you, and learn how to be giving and share what you're able to, share what you're able to with others for their benefit. And it just takes practice and it takes time. And so that's, that's the admonition for us today is just practice sharing. Um, we cannot treat these important areas that we're going to talk about the same way we mine our possessions. So I want to talk about four things, um, four things that we can be sharing and that we can be practicing sharing so that we grow in this, the, the right kind of behaviors that God wants us to have. The first is our possessions. That's obvious from all the scriptures we've been talking about, all the things we've been talking about, sharing what we have. And this was a, and I want to point this out by looking at the way the early church behaved. Because what we want to do is, is not just, you know, uh, we want to give with purpose and we want to understand what it means in relation to our discipleship and what it means in relation to being a member of the church and the impact that it has on our brothers and our sisters. And so the first thing we can do is practice sharing and we can practice with the people in this room. We can do this together. This is what the early church did in Acts chapter 2. I want you to notice the behaviors that they exhibited. I want you to notice the mindset that they have and, and the love that they had and the results of that. He says uh, in Acts 2, uh, 40, actually if you look up a verse or two, I think it's verse 42, um, he says that, that they all shared what they had and, and gave their possessions and, and were, um, they had fellowship one with another. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and they had fellowship. And again, that word fellowship is like that word communicate and, it talks, and it's like partnership and it's something that's together and the people were in it together. And all those that believed, the people that had become Christians, there were as many that were baptized, um, 3,000 that were baptized, and he says all those that believed were together and they had all things common. This is the mindset that they had. They just started sharing all the things that they had and in fact, in Acts chapter 4, it says that nobody believed that the things they had were just theirs. They all had this mindset of everything that I have is for the benefit of everyone. It's for the benefit of the church. And there was needs that, that started to happen. And of course, there was famines in the land that started to take place and persecution that arose in Jerusalem um, that caused some issues. But you think about all these millions of people that come into Jerusalem and now there's all these thousands of brethren who are, who are being baptized and are part of the church. They didn't expect to stay this long. They need place to stay. They need food. They need, they need all kinds of uh, accommodations to help, to help them as they're now living in this area, and they're going to stay a lot longer. It's an extended stay now. So what did the church do? <laughs> they got together. They sold their possessions and their goods. They, had, they took what they had, something of value, something that meant something to them, their possessions and their goods, and they gave that up. And they sold it. And what did they do next? They parted to all men as everyone had need. They just said, you know what? Here's the stuff. It's going to help, for the, it's going to help the cause. It's going to help the whole group. It's going to help everyone. And I'm just going to give this up because I know it's a blessing, and we're going to all share in this together. Every, they, they distributed to all men as every person had need, 
and they continuing daily in one accord in the temple and in breaking bread from house to house. They ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You see the, 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 the progression here? They loved each other so much. They shared all the things that they had. They made sure everyone's needs were met. And they also made sure that they were fellow, in fellowship and participating together and communing together daily in the temple, in their worship, daily in their common meals from house to house, going and spending time in each other's homes. They, they gave up even their homes to each other and were, were in each other's lives and in each other's homes and gave up their food and they all shared in that food and they ate it with gladness. And they had a singleness of heart. They were one mind. They were operating as one, one mind. And that is born out of love that they had for each other because now they're share. They're sharers in the life that Christ gave them. And that meant something so much to them that they were willing to be sharers in the life that, of all the possessions that they had. And then what? They were praising God, having favor with all the people. It was noticeable. This was the way they were treating people were, was noticeable. And I think that probably contributed to more and more people being saved daily because they saw this is different. There's, there's something different. And this, if this happened in, in our day and age, we would, I think we'd be right there and go, this is different. There's not people just being selfish and keeping to themselves and keeping their own things and they have these little groups and all these little divisions and all this stuff. No, they were all together with singleness of heart, sharing what they had, giving what they had, building each other up, worshiping together, just living as disciples together. And that would, that's... That's exactly what we should do. We should be willing to share our possessions because it makes a difference. It makes a difference to the church. It makes a difference to the people that are in this room. It makes a difference to the congregations that are in other, in other uh, towns and cities and other counties and other states. They hear about that and they see that and that encourages people and it makes uh, the body of Christ to be built up. And so don't look at your possessions as something that's just this uh, thing to be clung, hung on to and this thing that is just going to be temporary use, and well, it just doesn't matter. It matters. And it matters how you use them, and it matters what you use them for. And so practice sharing your possessions. Practice giving what you have, because it will be a benefit and a blessing to you and to the church and to the world, because people will be attracted to the gospel in the process. The next thing we should practice sharing is our time and our talent. I kind of lumped these together. You could, you could split these up, and there's a whole lot more things we could look at at sharing but I'm just going to lump these together, your time and your talent. That's, that's another area. If we're not practiced and willing to communicate and willing to distribute and willing to share, we don't have that mindset with our possessions, we're certainly not going to have that with our time. We're certainly not going to have that with our talent and our ability, the ways that we can actually help each other and serve one another. We're going to start to, to be covetous and to cling and to hold back and to... And to to protect and not willing to lose our life, so to speak, so that we can help gain life and help others gain life. Um, the, the New Testament emphasizes over and over the, the mindset we should have as Christians of doing good work. We should be active. We should be engaged with our time and our talent in helping the brothers and the sisters and those people that are outside of the church even that have need. Paul said as, as in Galatians 6, verse 10, he said, as, 
as you have opportunity, do good to all men. It's a mindset and a lifestyle that we should just embrace. It's who we are. It's not just something we do just because God commanded. It's not, well, I've got to do good things. No, it's doing good things is a part of who I am. It's a part of who we are as Christians. That's the mindset God wants us to have. And in Hebrews, uh, they're commended. He says in Hebrews 6, verse 10, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. And that's what it is. We ought to be motivated by love and, and work and labor for one another. He says, you've showed that towards his name. In that, you have ministered to the saints and that you continue to minister. You're, you're ministering means serving. And, and uh, it's like you're an attendant. You're paying attention to people's needs and you're helping and you're serving the things that they need. But it's a mindset of a work and labor of love. And if we have a mindset of, well, I'm not going to give my time to that. I'm not going to participate in that. I may be talented and whatever it might be communicating with people and building connections and building relationships or building things for people or helping people with whatever needs they, that might crop up, that's not, that, that wouldn't be love then. But if we put that effort knowing that it's going to somebody else's benefit, we're taking the cross, we're taking the sacrifice on, and we're giving something away that belongs to us, our time and our talent, so that other people can enjoy it, so that other people can benefit from it, that's a, good, that's a good sacrifice, and that is something that God is pleased with, and it helps everyone, and it helps you. Um, the next thing we should talk about, and again, we could spend probably whole sermons just on each of these sections, but, um, but I, won't, I, won't, I won't torture you. I won't make you share your time. <laughs> um, but understand that sharing time and talent is important. The next thing we should do is share our, our very life. And that's kind of abstract. But think about it this way. The Bible says that when we're, we become Christians, we become part of Christ's church. We become part of his body. We become part of his family. And it's not just a, a one-way relationship where it's just me and Christ. We've had lessons and we've talked about that before. I think Jay did a, a wonderful lesson on that. When you're entering into a relationship with Christ and you're part of his church, it's not just about you and Christ. And a lot of people live that way. It's just about me and God. No, it's not. It's about you and God, sure, but it's about us together and God. And it's about me and you and the relationships that I have with you and you have with me and you have with other people because it's all about togetherness and oneness with God and with his saints. And if we are accustomed to the pattern and the habits that we have grown to have in this world, in this life, and we choose to live the social media life where everything that people see about us is this curated image, it's a curated picture, because we don't really want people to see who we are. We're hiding, we're closing off, we're keeping to ourselves. We don't want to invite people into our lives. How can we be the body of Christ? And, and I know sometimes we do that because we're scared. They're going to see the problems that I have. They're going to see the bad habits that I have. They're going to see the pain that I'm going through. And I don't want anybody to know about that. But I'm sorry. When you, when you hurt your hand, let's say, you, let's say you broke your wrist, you're going to feel that in other parts of your body. And if, if our bodies work the way we worked, 
as the body of Christ, then our wrist would be broken and nobody else, none of the rest of the body would even know about it. We would just kind of go along and lump along and nobody even knows. And you're, you're just, your arm just quietly suffers all, all by itself, all alone, just suffering and then finally maybe eventually gets healed and maybe then there's still all this you know, irreparable damage. But thankfully, that's not how our physical bodies work, and that's not how the body of Christ should work either. There's some, it doesn't matter what you're going through, even if you've made a terrible mistake. Our lives should be open to one another because we're not going to know how to help you. We're not going to know how to get help that we need if we're not willing to let go of the perfect image, the perfect life, perfect friends, the perfect circles of influence, let the church in. Let your brothers and sisters into your life and let them see who you really are. And if you're scared of that, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing to, to say, well, that's a motivation for us to do better, right? And that's just another blessing of sharing. But we ought to be willing to share our lives and not hold back and not, not keep things from each other. P Peter talked about it in terms of hospitality. And we think about opening our homes. That's the, an intimate place. That's a place that's ours. And when we let people in, we're letting them. That's one way we can let them into our life. But I think it's a lot, lot more than that. It's not just about your home. That's a good tool, but that's just not totally what it, hospitality is about. 1 Peter 4, verse 8, it says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. How can we have fervent charity among ourselves if we just barely have any connection with each other, barely know what's going on in each other's life? We see each other on Sunday morning and go, Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Okay. And you go home. And if that's the extent of our relationships, that's not a relationship. Um, but we need to have fervent love for, among yourselves because love will cover the multitude of sins. And he says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Don't be grudging about that, that I'm going to give of myself to you. And it's like, oh, I've got to talk to these people, and oh, I've got to tell them about what's going on. And no, he says, don't have a grudging mindset. But instead, use hospitality one toward another. And as every man has received the gift, what gift? The gift of God's fervent charity. The way he lets you in the way he has shown you mercy, the way he shows you forgiveness, the love that he gives you that builds you up and that helps you and that sustains you in this life, that's a great gift that we've all received. And he says, as, as you have received the gift, even so, share that same gift with other people. Give that gift to each other. Minister that gift of love and of charity and of, and of the kind of love that helps cover sins. That doesn't mean we're covering up and not going to address sins, but that just means that love can overcome these sins. He says, do that as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Let people into your life and have true, real relationships. Stop being scared. Stop, stop withholding yourself and stop limiting yourself. Open yourself up and give of yourself. Take up your cross and let go of your life or you're going to lose your life. We cannot live as a disconnected collection of limbs and call that a body. It has to be a together arrangement. We have to be connected deeply and intimately um, and, and have the kind of 
I mean, think about your own family. You live together, you see all the good, you see all the bad, you see all the frustrations, you can, you can bicker with each other, and you can, you know, you just get through it together. And it's not like you have these moments and you're just like, well, you can't live here anymore. You can't be here anymore. Now, that's not to say there aren't situations that, that I'm just talking about normal, everyday situations with our kids and our families and all. It's like people are annoying. People aren't perfect. None of us are. Guess what? I'm, if you had that mindset, I'm sorry to, to let you down, but nobody is perfect. And we see that the most with our family. And you know what we do? We keep showing up. We stay there. We're together. We don't cut them off and we don't push them away, but we just, it's like, okay, I mean, we have a level of grace and a level of mercy and a level of love that covers those annoyances that we might have with each other. And it's like, well, I love you, so I'm just going to keep, I'm not going anywhere. And that's the kind of mindset we should carry into the church. We should be like family, dwelling together in the house of God. And yeah, we're going to get annoyed with each other. And yeah, there's going to be problems that come up, but we're going to deal with them together. And we're going to let love cover those sins and even those minor annoying things that might come up. Uh, Because if you haven't noticed, some of us are annoying. I'm not going to name names. Um, Okay, it's me. Um, I know that. But thankfully, y'all haven't run me out of here. So, uh, so I appreciate that a lot. But we need to have that, that level of care for each other. I want to give one example in Acts chapter 16 of the, of the mindset and the willingness and the drive to have this kind of life of sharing your life. Acts 16, there was a woman named Lydia. She was a seller of purple. And she worshiped God. She heard the, the apostles preaching. And that word affected her. She was convicted. And she was baptized. In verse 15, it says, when she was baptized, her house uh, and her household, she besought Paul and his company and the people that were with him, uh, practically strangers, but all of a sudden, here they come. They're preaching the word of God. She, she obeys the gospel. She's a member of the church. Now they're like family in Christ. And she says, she, she begged them. She besought us, saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. How can you turn that down? <laughs> If you think I'm a faithful Christian, I want you to come and stay with me. If Paul, if Paul and his company turns that down, what are they saying? That's, that would be, uh, yeah, they'd be saying she's not a faithful Christian. And so she constrained us, Paul says. <laughs> or Luke writes, she constrained us. It's like, we don't have a choice. She didn't give them the option. She said, you're coming, you're going to be in my house, you're going to abide in my house. And I mean, these are people she just met. But this is the kind of woman that Lydia was. She was willing to open her life and bring these men into her life and be a servant and a fellow laborer with them there in that place because she was a seller of purple. And purple was a garment of royalty and a very high quality garment. And so the, the implication here is that Lydia was well off. She was a businesswoman, smart, well off, faithful to the Lord, and she used what she had to help the apostles. And she was a fellow laborer and she let them into her life. And you don't think they saw things going on in the house? You don't think they saw the, the, the relationships? And all? I mean, they're brand new Christians. You don't think they're going to have problems? Things they haven't learned yet? Yeah, they did. And she let them in and let them see that anyway. She didn't hide herself and didn't want to have this curated image of, well, I can't let the preacher into my house. No, she said, you're coming and you're going you're to stay with me. 
My house is open to you. And her life is open to them in, in the process. So let's have that mindset. That's an area we can share. And finally, how we do all of these things affects one another, and it leads to the way we share the gospel. Because if we have a covetous mind that wants to keep for ourselves, that wants to hide ourselves, that doesn't, is not willing to share, then we're not going to be willing to invite other people into what we have. We're not going to be willing to let other people into the life that Christ calls us to invite them into. And the scripture is designed to empower us to share it with others. Uh, John 7, verse 37, he says, In the last day, the day of the great feast, Jesus stood and he cried, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He says, I'm going to give you everlasting water. He's going to share that willingly and ready to distribute to those who believe in him. And if you believe on him, as the scripture says, out of his belly will flow rivers of... Uh, he that believeth on him, as the scripture says, out of his belly will, ro- will flow rivers of living water. The gospel and, and believing in Christ and living as a disciple is designed to share with others. It's designed to be taken out from you to other people. We carry treasure in this earthen vessels that should be carried forth to anyone and everyone who is willing to listen. And we're a conduit for that truth uh, to attract more people to Christ. And it's not about us, but we often forget that and we make it about us and we cling and we don't share and we're scared to talk to people. And we're scared to talk to people because we look at it instead of Viewing the gospel as a valuable possession that God has given us as a resource to use and share with other people, we look at it as this, this uh, it's just this contentious thing that people are going to argue with me about, or I'm going to use it as a contentious thing to justify myself with, and I'm going out and beating people over the head with the gospel. That's not very attractive. What is, is life. I have life. I have been granted this gift, and I want you to have it too. That's way better. And that's the mindset we ought to take. That's what Peter did. Acts 3, verse 6. Peter looks at this man that's crippled. This man looks at him and wants money. He thinks they're going to get some kind of money or something. Peter says, silver and gold I have none. But such as I have, I give thee. And in the name of Christ, he told him to rise up and walk. And he healed that man uh, because that's what Peter had been given. But notice that mindset. I'm going to give you what I've been given. And invites this man into eternal life. And that's the mindset we ought to have with the gospel. We've been given something of great value to share and to multiply, and how we deal with that will indicate how we will, uh, our eternal state. One last, uh, one last parable before we close here. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Now, Jesus related this concept in terms of money in terms of business and possessions, because it's what the people could understand. But he's talking about something much greater and much deeper. He's talking about the blessing of the, the stewardship that he's placed us into of his life and the gospel and, and uh, holiness. And in Matthew 25, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man that's traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered them to, to them his goods. He's giving them his goods. And to one, he gave five talents, and a talent is a measure of money. It's not uh, ability. It's not, he, he didn't give them some talent. Um, but a talent is just a, a great sum of money. And he gave this man five, a lot. Uh, to another one, he gave two, still a lot, but not quite as much. And to the other servant, he gave one talent, just one, um, yeah, just one talent. He distributed to every man according to his several ability. 
He didn't go to the one talent man and go, you know what? You're only capable of this, but I'm going to make you have five, and I'm going to expect a lot out of you. No, he, he, he expected uh, out of them what they were capable of doing, and that's fair. That's fair. He wasn't trying to put more on somebody um, than, than they were able. And so he gives them the talent, and he takes his journey. So in the process of time, he that had received five talents, he went and he traded. He used his Lord's money. He went and invested in things. He went and traded. He went and did business. He went and grew that investment, and he made five more talents. He doubled that, that, that his servant or his master's uh, finances he, that he gave him. He doubled that. And likewise, the one that had received two, he did the same thing. He put it to work. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't, he wasn't going to... He wasn't misusing it, but he, he did exactly what he needed to and went and he traded and he did business and he gained two more talents. He doubled the investment of his Lord. But what about the guy that received one? What did he do? He that received one, he went and digged in the earth and he hid his Lord's money. He was like, this is, this is way too much pressure. This is way too much work. This is really difficult. I don't want to mess this up. You know what? This, I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to dig a hole, I'm going to cover it up. And I'm just going to keep this hidden. And I'm just going to keep this safe and keep this guarded and not put it to use, not let it go and be put to use and, and be spent and be invested and, and produce more. Instead, I'm just going to keep it to myself. I'm going to put it in the hole in the ground. Nobody needs to know. And he hid his Lord's money. That's a reflection of how we might treat the gospel. Some, some of you have a great deal of responsibility and talent, and, and I say talent. You have talent, but some of you have been given a great deal of God's blessings to use to multiply in the kingdom. And some have great responsibility, but it's, it's less. We all have varying degrees of capabilities and abilities and things that God expects from us and abilities that God wants us to put to use blessings that he's given us to go and share with people. And don't make the mistake of thinking we all need to strive for the same standard. It, it is according to your several ability. But sometimes we take this route. We're scared. We don't want to take this gift that our Lord has given us, and instead we hide it. And we keep it to ourselves. Or we get afraid and say, you know what? I don't want more people to be invited into getting these talents. I don't want more servers and more workers in the kingdom using my Lord's money and, and then showing me up because they have ability to double two talents or a double, to double five talents or even ten talents. I don't want people showing me up. And the more this Lord has, the more servants he's going to invite into to, to labor with us. Maybe, it was, maybe that was part of his fear. Maybe he was just so scared of how that he wasn't capable. Who knows? Who knows what happens to the servant? But sometimes that's the mindset we take, and we take the gospel, and we dig it in, in, in our hearts. It's in our hearts. We cover that up. It might have fallen on good ground, but we just leave it there, and we cover it, and we bury it, and we don't want people to know. We don't want people to see. We don't want to share it. We don't want to multiply it. So we hide it. Well, that's a problem because the Lord comes back and he, he calls to account. He says, what have you done with my money? To the one that did five, he said, hey, you did great. Here's, here's more. Be a ruler over five cities. And the one that did two, he said, you did great. 
you, you did what I asked of you and what I knew you were capable of doing and you've achieved that and you now here's two cities for you to be a ruler over and all that. And to the one, the one he gave just one talent, he comes and he says, okay, what'd you do with, what, what'd you do? Take, I want an account. He says, well, I just dug a hole in the ground. I was scared. That's what he says. I was afraid and I dug it in the ground. I knew you were an austere man. So he starts accusing his Lord of being this, this like uh, stingy person who just wants to get money out of people who uh, you know, get these results out of people that are impossible. You reaped where you don't sow, and you're, you're gathering where you haven't strawed. So now he's accusing and making these accusations against his Lord. So this whole thing has not gone right. And so the Lord is very angry with him, and he says, take the talent from him and give it to the one that has ten. Obviously, the servant was not willing and ready and capable of handling his Lord's blessing. And he says, to everyone that has, you'll, you'll be given. And everyone that has, and, and he will have abundance. But from him that does not have, it will be taken away even that which he does have. And cast you the unprofitable servant, this one that was scared and dug it in the ground and hid it and didn't share it and didn't multiply, cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It cost this man, maybe the man was, uh, had a because he was covetous, maybe then it affected the way he was dealing with his Lord's money and was unwilling to let that go. Unwilling to distribute to others. Unwilling to create more opportunities. And he says, cast him into outer darkness. Get him out of here. Get him out of my presence. And that is the price we will pay if we don't have the right mindset of sharing the gospel. Folks, we've been given a great gift. Don't hide it. It's scary? Sure. It's scary to talk to people. It's, it's scary to share. It's scary to be rejected. It's scary to, to have moments of failure. But our job is to multiply what God has given us. And we cannot dig it in the ground and, because we're scared and expect that God is going to be pleased with that in the end. He wants us to labor. He wants us to work. And you might not be a, a five-talent person or a ten-talent person. You might be the one-talent person, and that's fine. There's no problem with that. The problem is what we choose to do with that, that the blessing that God has given us. Um, so share the gospel. Share your life. Here's the things we've looked at as, as we close here. Our instinct naturally is to cling to what is ours, and that will cause us to grow covetous. But God wants us to share like He shares. He wants us to let go. He wants us to give things up. He wants us to sacrifice so that other people can share in blessings as well. And the admonition for us, the encouragement for you and me, is to pra let's practice sharing. And these are just four areas. We could talk about a bunch of other areas. Share what you have with others. Share your time and your talent. Share your real life with people. And share the gospel with others. Take that out to other people. Don't be covetous to keep it to yourself and cling on to what you have and whatever it is. Because if we choose to not share these things, our possessions, time and talent, our real lives, all these things, what you have will be taken away from you and you will lose your life. And ultimately, if we aren't willing to share in these things, what we will end up sharing in is death. That's what happened to that servant. And that's what Jesus says in Matthew 25, last two verses. He says in verse 41, then shall he say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? 
I was hungry, you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you didn't take me in. I was naked, you didn't give me clothes. I was sick, I was in prison, and you did not visit me. You didn't use your time, you didn't use your talents, you didn't use your possessions, you didn't, let, you didn't, you didn't come to me and share and give. And that's going to cost us, and we'll, be, we'll, we'll depart into everlasting fire. But if we take that admonition to heart and be like Christ, we will have a great reward. And it feels like we're losing a lot when we give all these things away and we have this generous attitude, but we're gaining our life. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. Matthew 25, he says, Then shall the kingdom say to those on the right, Come, you blessed of my Father. You're not wicked. You're not un- unprofitable. You're not uh, unfruitful servants. He says, You are blessed. You are the blessed of my Father. Come and inherit the kingdom. I'm, I'm going to share even more with you because you are willing to share. Inherit the kingdom that's been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why? I was hungry. You gave me meat. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. You used your time. You used your talent. You used your possessions. You invited me in to share. And now I'm inviting you in to share into eternal life. I hope that the lesson has is is, is been useful and encouraging to you. Uh, it is a great blessing to share. It is a great blessing to use what God has given us to, uh, to benefit one another. And I hope that if you're here this morning, I just, I just saw the time here, I'm, and I apologize. I didn't mean to um, speak that long, but it, it's hard not to get all the concepts that we need to relate in here. So I, 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 uh, <laughs> be merciful to me, and, uh, and I hope that it's been a blessing to you. If you're here this morning and you need the prayers of the church, don't hide yourself. Um, we're here to help in whatever way we can with abundant love and mercy and support. And if you're not a member of the church, you haven't been baptized into Christ, Jesus invites you to be a partaker of the gospel, and he wants you to experience life. And so I hope that if, if, you have, uh, if you've been moved by uh, these thoughts and you know you need help, We're here as we stand and sing the song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.